This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Friday afternoon before a long weekend, May 27th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. The sequel to the 1986 blockbuster Top Gun zooms into theaters this weekend. We'll discuss the debut at our next segment. But right now, fresh numbers on inflation and consumer sentiment wrap up this week's data. Let's break it down with the help of Bob Bruska, chief economist, fact that Opinion Economics, based in New York. Bob, thanks for joining us today. We talked a little bit at 1020 about the Core Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, uh, which is a a gauge of inflation showing that uh, inflation is slowing down a little bit, uh, decelerating uh, compared to earlier this year. But underneath the hood, the uh, American consumer is still spending a lot of money, and they feel comfortable spending that money despite uh, rising prices. But there are some indications that could be slowing down in the coming months. Yes. Uh, the situation of the consumer is, uh, you know, somewhat complicated. Um, you know, real disposable personal income, for example, uh, is, is declining, and it's declining in the first quarter so far compared to the fourth quarter, declining uh, over three months. Uh, and, of course, income is the firepower for spending, uh, in terms of components, we had a good month for PCE spending. The one-month rate annualized is a 7.8% expansion. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Um, and a lot of it uh, came into durable goods. Non-durable goods spending, however, has slowed, and services spending seems to have stabilized and picked up a little bit. And that's been a that, that's an important jobs sector. And so we'll have to watch and see whether there's really going to be a shift to spending into services from goods. Some economists are looking for that and looking for that to take some of the pressure off of inflation and and off of goods prices. And it sounds like uh, people are now uh, dipping into their savings to continue spending and that that could slow down as those savings are drawn down. Right. That's a two-edged sword. Uh, Some people point out that people have money left over from this COVID money that had been sent out, but... If you dip into it, uh, then it's not there anymore. And certainly if you're engaged in dis savings, you realize you're doing that. You realize that it's temporary. And so I think it makes you a less aggressive spender. So I don't think that people are going to spend beyond their means for too long. I also wonder about this this money because you, you can look at how much of it is still out there in the consumer. But I don't think there's a lot of it frankly, in the pocketbooks of people who need it. I think a lot of money was given to higher income people who didn't really need it and who still have it in their bank accounts and don't need to rely on it to spend it. So I'm really concerned more about people at the lower end who inflation is going to hurt more who and who are not going to have that cushion. 
And that inflation figure also uh, led to uh, another drop in the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index, which is uh, basically at a great recession level that we saw back in 2009. Um, when it comes to that figure, you know, how do you square the fact that people feel that their personal financial situation is, is better versus the fact that they feel that, that things economically overall just aren't that good? Well, um, you know, none of these readings is particularly good. For example, um, I, I rank these these data in their historic, you know, series of of observations. And uh, U of M consumer sentiment has been lower only 1.8 percent of the time. However, people's own personal finance situation has been lower only 17 percent of the time. Now, I'll grant you that 17 is greater than 1.8, but being in the lower 17th percentile is not good, and it's not going to sustain a lot of spending. And in fact, when people look at the expectations for their personal finances ahead, that particular number has only a 7.3 percentile standing, meaning it's weaker only 7.3 percent of the time. So don't kid yourself. There's nothing in this report that's really very strong. All of these are pretty bad numbers, pretty depressed. And as you mentioned, basically uh, recession level readings. Bob Bruska, chief economist, facted opinion economics based in New York. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The sequel to the 1986 blockbuster Top Gun zooms into theaters this weekend. Let's talk about the expectations for not only the movie business, but for Tom Cruise himself with Paul DeGarabedian, senior media analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore based in Los Angeles. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Uh, let's begin with the movie itself. The reviews are coming in both anecdotally and from the critics. They love it. And uh, you just yeah tweeted this just a couple of minutes ago, and that is based on uh, one preview. This is poised to be not only a record breaker, but an all-timer for Tom Cruise as far as an opening weekend box office number. That's right, Rob. And this is pretty incredible. The fact that Tom Cruise has never had a $100 million opener uh, domestically is shocking to many, but his films just have long-term playability so in other words, if they don't open at 100 million, it really doesn't matter because they just, you know, the Mission Impossible movies and the first Top Gun and, and so many other of his films, just people love them. So they keep coming out to the movie theater to see them. Top Gun Maverick is benefiting from great reviews, uh, pent up demand to go out to the movie theater and just buzz on the street or on the virtual street about how great the movie is. I've seen it. I saw it three weeks ago at CinemaCon. The movie convention in Vegas, loved it. I knew it would be a big hit, but this big, this is amazing. We could be looking at, who knows, for the three days, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, perhaps as high as $115 million. And for four days through the Memorial holiday, who knows? Are we looking at $130, $140, higher? Sky's the limit when it comes to Top Gun. The turnover in the movie business is so fast these days. You almost have to have a $100 million opening weekend or more just to be considered successful because uh, you're, you're, the, the life of a movie in the theater is what, a month? Yeah, you're exactly right, Rob. It, it, generally speaking, you want to get that big number on opening weekend because the playability is usually fairly short. And then you also have bigger movies coming down the pipeline into theaters. And so audiences tend to migrate from one big movie to the next. The good news for Top Gun Maverick, 
not only are they opening on Memorial Weekend, which gives Sunday a big boost because people are off on Monday, but the second weekend of Maverick, not a lot of competition. It's not till June 10 when Jurassic World Dominion opens when we're going to have more competition, but competition is good out there in this marketplace. And Tom Cruise just loves the movie theater. He loves the audience and it, and the audience loves him. And it's really showing up that way this weekend. The big spectacle is getting people back into the movie theater. What can the business do to uh, attract an audience to, let's say, kind of the mid-range movie, the type of movie that you would see if you'd already seen the big blockbuster, but now gets released directly to streaming? Yeah, I think the way you do that is you have really good movies. For example, The Northman is a fantastic movie. It didn't open huge. It certainly wasn't intended to be a blockbuster opener, but it's a movie that's still playing well. Every, uh, everything, Everywhere, All at Once is another movie that's been playing for weeks, and audiences, more mature audiences, are coming out for that. Downton Abbey didn't do as well as the first one, but it, it's playing very well daily. In other words, it's holding up. So people don't live by blockbusters alone this weekend, maybe, but for, for other audiences looking for something different than a Marvel movie or a big blockbuster, there are a lot of movies out there that are for other audiences other than just the 18 to 24-year-olds. So Paul, it's pretty cool. Paul DeGarabini and senior media analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore based in Los Angeles. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, helping steer students toward jobs of the future. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. As the job market evolves, students may need to adjust their educational plans. Let's get some direction from Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern, based in Chicago. Rick, thanks for joining us today. There is a long list of jobs that are quite lucrative uh, for the uh, 21st century as we enter the uh, second quarter of the 21st century, which is hard to believe. Uh, what are some of the biggies? Well, the, if you want to take math as a topic, and of course, for me being a journalism major, I, I start to cringe, but <laughs> math specific to data analytics. In other words, how do things work? What's the data showing us about how things work and how they end up the way they are? What are the trends? The data analytics part of math is probably in 70% of the best paying jobs coming out of a college or university, whether it's accounting, uh, data science, uh, cybersecurity, software development, machine learning, it, all of those all of those roles and jobs have some elements of data analytics math in them. But that's not trigonometry, the things that, that made me afraid. And I think it's really important for people to, to ground themselves in that. And one of the best ways for you or your son or daughter, if they're considering a career, to look at that is, what are they really curious about? What is it that they're interested in? What do they want to understand well? And data analytics is going to be the path to getting them to that. And that's important because they need to have some passion in what they're doing because we are learning now. I mean, in Illinois, we have uh, the 25 to 55 age group, which is the key work group. It, their, their quits is up 80%. Uh, we've got 100,000 people leaving Illinois in the last year. So it's people are looking at the role and the function as opposed to how much money I'm going to make. You can make a lot of money, but you also have to like what you're doing. There's a lot of uh, big data roles. There's social media data analysis. Um, and there are also some environmental roles, uh, specialists in renewable or alternative energy and uh, waste manager. That's uh, on your list. And we're mm -hmm. not talking about Tony Soprano. 
<laughs> no, no. We're, and that's true for all of these. If you look at the trends for uh, for business in the future, whether it's aircrafts, electrical, uh, plumbing, robotics, bio, biotechnology, um, all of the systems that we are interested in working on and building out, they need people to repair and maintain them. So I think the trades really have a whole new place to play and a new role. So it's not necessarily a requirement that you get a four-year degree. Uh, I know uh, people who who run computer sci- uh, computer programming pro- uh, businesses. They'll hire hundreds of people and don't even know if they even have a degree in computer science. Can they program? So when you look at that for someone with a career, you know, alternative energy. Who's gonna Who's gonna make sure that the solar the solar or the wind systems are working? Who's gonna make sure that these things are operating? Fiber optics, heavy equipment repair. There's so many places to find work. It's about what you really want to do with your life. Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern. Thanks for joining us today. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, an out-of-town pizza chain expands its reach in the highly competitive Chicago market. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this is chicago's all news station news radio 780 and 105.9 fm The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. What will be the busiest and most traveled Memorial Day weekend in years is now underway. The city of Chicago preparing for the long holiday. The luxury vehicle market now seeing more hybrid models, but fully electric cars are still down the road. In Entrepreneur Friday, a pizza chain from Detroit is gaining a foothold in Chicago. Business, the markets are higher. Dow up 349 points, the NASDAQ up 301, and the S&P 500 up 72. 55 degrees right now in Chicago with some light rain topping out at 63 today at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, the unofficial start of summer is here with the arrival of Memorial Day weekend. Let's get the latest from correspondent Rita Foley. Travelers want to get back in the air or in the car and head out to that tourist destination, say analysts. 
Airlines and hotels are expecting monster crowds this summer as pandemic travel restrictions ease. Many experts think the number of travelers will match or even exceed the number who traveled in the good old days, the pre-pandemic days. But if you're only now booking travel for the summer, get ready for sticker shock. Airfares are up, hotel rates are up, and gas prices are way up. $1.56 a gallon more than a year ago. And there's this. Airlines, airports, hotels, and other travel businesses may not be able to handle all the traffic. Some got rid of workers when the pandemic hit and haven't been able to get them back in a tight labor market. I'm Rita Foley. Chicago Beach is officially open for the season today, even though it doesn't really feel like beach weather. 51 degrees along the lakefront right now. Rosa Escareño, superintendent of the Chicago Park District, she hopes that fun outdoor activities will be an alternative to gun violence in the city. Activating our parks is truly one of the ways that we actually reduce crime in the city. Having families be active with their kids is just another way, not just to enjoy the summer, but it truly ensures that our communities are out um, looking after each other and making sure that our communities are truly vibrant. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are ending the week on an up note. We're joined by Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer at Crescent Capital based in Chicago. Jack, thanks for joining us today. Uh, It looks like the markets are poised to snap that eight-week losing streak. Uh, Is this the start of a uh, new era on Wall Street in 2022, or is it just a reprieve from the sell-off? Probably the biggest question keeping me awake at night, Rob. Um, this, you know, looks like a certainly a great reversal this week, but um, you know we have to make sure that this isn't just part of a longer-term bear trend. Um, one of the things that really I, I'm taking comfort in is that credit conditions. So if you look at high yield bonds and even uh, lower quality investment grade bonds are moving higher, that's a good sign, meaning that lenders are willing to extend credit. Uh, at at uh, less of a premium that they've had than they've had in the last couple of weeks, so that's that's an encouraging sign, and that tends to be a little stickier than just you know uh, a, a bull market move in in one day. On the uh, consumer expenditure report that came out today, uh, some encouraging trends on both uh, core PCE and on the uh, the other uh, index that uh, factors in uh, food and energy prices. You know, both of which have uh, really mm-hmm. been hit by external factors so far this year. Uh, it shows signs that uh, inflation may be slowing down. What do we take from that report? Uh, is it another data point that we've turned the corner, or is it uh, is it just another reprieve before another run-up of prices, especially on the gasoline side as the summer months arrive? Yeah, no, that's a great sign. Um, I would say probably the most important factor we've got to watch to determine which way these markets will go is, in fact, inflation. Now, we believe that uh, inflation peaked in March, uh, and so today's data is further evidence that that is likely to be the case. Uh, The PCE also is a preferred measure uh, to uh, household spending and uh, and inflation than is uh, the CPI, at least from the Fed's perspective. So we know they're going to be watching it. And if anything that prevents the or, or uh, allows the Fed to raise rates uh, and not have to go the full uh, distance uh, to quell inflation is a good sign for both equities and bonds.
It's an interesting uh, data point that I uh, observed last night at the local big box hardware store, and that is some big ticket items, even though it is Memorial Day weekend, you know, a time for big sales, are deeply discounted. And is this a trend that is taking place across the retail space where manufacturers uh, made a lot of big ticket items like refrigerators and washing machines uh, in response to demand that's no longer there? And now they got to get rid of all this stuff, uh, further uh, taking more pressure off of prices. Well, I think, Rob, you're onto something because this is something that we started lo- observing back in the fourth quarter with the supply chain and nobody could get anything. Well, part of the reason why it looked like su- demand was far away outstripping supply wasn't so much end demand. It was the fact that uh, retailers, you know, like the big box uh, uh, home improvement retailers figured, hey, you know, we know that this one uh, consumer's uh, ordering a refrigerator might as well order three or four because we figure we'll find other customers to, to buy those. And that one of that, the, the uh, inflation, oh, I mean, sorry, the inventory overhang that resulted from that actually weighed on growth in Q1. Um, remember, Q1 growth is still negative. It's minus 1.5% or so. That is, a, you know, that's a, a problem. And a lot of it certainly imports, but a lot of it's also working off some of this extra inventory. Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer, Crescent Capital, based in Chicago. Coming up next, an Entrepreneur Friday, a pizza company from Motown challenges the established Windy City crowd. The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Pizza competition in Chicago is fierce, but that has not stopped the chain from Detroit from jumping into the fire. We welcome in David Filato, the owners of Jets Pizza Chicagoland. David, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Jets Pizza opening up its 21st Chicagoland store in the Hyde Park neighborhood uh, this weekend. Tell us a little bit about the uh, Jets Pizza growth story in Chicago. Where was the first store in the city and when did it open? Uh, the first one is in Lakeview on off of Ashland. We opened it up in uh, 2012, and it's been gangbusters ever since. Detroit-style pizza, you know, there there was precedent. Uh, Little Caesars did move into the market over 30 years ago. Um, so people in Chicago, it's not a bridge too far to try, to, to try Detroit-style pizza. What is it that makes uh, Jets distinctive and unique in what is a very passionate pizza town? So, like, our dough is made fresh every day, which is not uh, common these days. And we put every we put the Detroit style into a pan, and the pan caramelizes the crust, and it's got this great buttery um, crunch to it when you when you bite into it. So it's pretty awesome. And then when you went into this business, uh, did you were you surprised, or were you counting on the fact that people have such passionate opinions about pizza, whether it's deep dish, Detroit style, tavern cut, or the uh, the New York style where they give you uh, a slice the size of a newspaper? Well, you know, my wife is from Detroit, and there's a lot of people in the city that have moved from Michigan. So we knew that there was a pretty good following. They have you know, over 200 stores in, in, in the state of Michigan. So once we had it the first time, we're like, wow, this is incredible. And it was a really good product, and we were really impressed with the company. So I thought from the start it was going to be a home run. 
And then uh, you open this uh, this this the the story in Lakeview on Ashland in 2012, and uh, over the course of time, and this was kind of developing uh, as you opened, uh, thanks to social media, thanks to uh, a proliferation of foodie-based uh, cable TV shows. Uh, it sounds like people were were primed to be a little more adventurous in terms of uh, what they would eat and what the ingredients are, and that uh, level of sophistication or that level of knowledge among the uh, customer base, did that help you over time? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's one of the, you know, the few chain kind of restaurants, the pizza restaurants that when you actually eat it, you're like really impressed with it. So word of mouth definitely took off. Uh, You know, we have, as I said before, we have a pretty good Michigan following in the city. So those two combinations just kind of uh, magically came into what we have today. And then when it comes to uh, the Detroit-style pizza, I mean, one of the knocks on deep dish pizza, if someone is making fun of Chicago-style deep dish, is that uh, you're basically serving somebody a casserole. And uh, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the Detroit-style pizza, though, is kind of like a mid-range between uh, the flat tavern cut and uh, the very thick deep dish. It's kind of like in the middle if you don't want to go too crazy in either direction. Yeah, you know, I'm a Chicago boy. I was born and raised here. I mean, I love the pizza we have here, but, you know, you need a nap after most of them. Uh, It's still great pizza, but this is uh, deep dish without the nap. That's a that's a very good uh, a very good uh, uh, marketing slogan. Um, when it yep. comes to managing when it comes to managing growth, though, twenty one in the Chicago area over the course of a decade. Um, do you have a, a number in your head uh, for the twentieth anniversary? You know, I think I, we're we're keep growing three to four stores a year at this point. Maybe a few more on top of that, but we're hope to just continue to. to serve Chicagoland and and serve great pizza and keep our customers happy. David Filato, owners of uh, owner of Jets Pizza Chicagoland, 21 locations uh, after the first one opened 10 years ago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.